The Bible says that as Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, he sent two of them to get a donkey and her colt. This fulfilled the prophecy in Zechariah. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus mounted the donkey and rode into Jerusalem. Many laid their cloaks on the road before him and brought palm branches to wave and celebrate. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the Son of David. But not all who were there understood him. Some called him only a prophet, believing him wise but denying his divinity. Some raged and cheered for a revolution, hoping he would liberate them from their oppressors. To others, he was nothing more than an interruption. Even as children ran to him and shouted for joy, his enemies wove through the crowd, watching, seething, plotting. The range of reactions was great and wide. Celebration, worship, revolutions, deception, cynicism, condemnation, boredom, disinterest. But every single person had to confront one thing, who he was. Behold, your king is coming to you. I wonder this morning, if you could put yourself in the crowd, who would you be? Who would you be in the midst of the crowd if Jesus was entering in? Where would your heart be? What would your heart be like? Today is Palm Sunday, a day that we remember Christ riding into Jerusalem. We remember people having plans and thoughts of what was to come. We think of many who would have thought that he was there to conquer as a conquering king like they had seen many times riding into nations when Roman uh, centurions would ride in and the general would come in because they've conquered that land. And For many, they would have thought Jesus was coming in that type of a manner. Others' word had begun to circulate because it was the Passover. And during that time, the city of Jerusalem would have been packed out. Scholars tell us this, that the city probably grew by six times the amount of people that were already in that city during this time. People coming. There was no social distancing being observed during this time. There was nothing like that. The place would have been packed. People would have been coming there to celebrate and to remember the Passover. The very thing that Jesus asks us to remember. See, for us, our Passover today is, is that moment of communion we experience today. Where we remember what Christ has done. The, for the children of Israel, for them, it was a moment of remembering that the death angel had passed over their homes. Because the blood of the lamb had been placed upon the door, over the head of the door, and then down the doorways. And, and that, when the death angel came through, he passed over those homes. Just like Christ has passed over in our lives. And he's actually paid the price for our freedom. So that you and I can be free from sin. It's a time where the children of Israel and people of God would have come together to remember. 
The Easter season brings us to moments of remembering. And today we're wrapping up a series called Strong Foundations. And if you haven't been able to be with us the previous weeks, I want to encourage you to go online and to watch them. You can watch them on YouTube. You can even go onto iTunes and you can download the podcast uh, version of those. Whatever it is, I want to encourage you to spend time in it because I believe God wants to be a strong foundation for you and for me. I can imagine for a moment what would have been being said throughout the city. The place was packed, people were gathered all around, and word began to travel that Jesus, Jesus, the young man from Nazareth, this simple prophet, Jesus, was there on the scene, but had just performed one of his greatest miracles, he brought Lazarus back to life. They had placed Lazarus in a tomb. His body had actually begun to stink. He was dead. Everyone say, he was dead. dead. In fact, you can say, he dead. He dead. (laughs) People had heard it. They knew it. He was dead. But Jesus arrives on the scene, and how many of you are glad that Jesus calls back to life dead things? Come on now. Once we were dead in our trespasses and sin, but Christ called us back to life. In fact, that's what we're going to be celebrating next week is back to life as we start this series talking about what are the things in our lives that God has called back to life? What is the freedom that he's called back to life? In many ways, we're trying to say just kind of socially and just even how we gather and no mass and all these things like let's just kind of get back to life. But guess what? Life is never going to be the same. But here's what I do know. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever that he does not change, and so that's what we celebrate. The last miracle that people had seen and heard was something that seemed impossible. And I'm glad that God is a God who does the impossible. But as news began to travel, people began to get excited, and they started gathering around, and the disciples, they knew who Jesus was. They had seen the miracles. They had seen what had been happening, and so this moment when he says to go get a donkey, and, and he says, you'll find it, and what, they say, well, what if, what if they say to us, you know, like, what, what are you doing taking our donkey? He says, just tell them the master has need of it. And so Jesus comes on a donkey and rides into Jerusalem and people start putting palm branches down and they're shouting out, Hosanna, Hosanna. And then the Pharisees come on the scene. The Pharisees aren't happy about it. And and Jesus looks at the Pharisees and says, you can silence the crowd, but even the rocks would cry out. Why? Because he is the king. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's king of your life, of your circumstances, of what's happening around us. He's the king of our neighbor's lives. He is the king. And if you were there, I wonder what you would be saying. That video you saw portrayed different people who had different thoughts of these moments. I can picture for a second, and we don't know exactly who was all in the crowd, but, but just for a moment, give me a little bit of liberty. What if, what if, Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus, what if he was there? 
The man who had received his sights, who was once a beggar, now and no longer in beggar's rags, but now being set free, he now has his sight. Maybe he was one of those shouting out Hosanna. Or maybe it was Zacchaeus, who was a wee little man, a wee little man was he, who thought no one could love me the way I am. I'm hated. I'm a tax collector. No one. There's no hope for me. I'll just stay in my same patterns. Maybe that little guy was there shouting out because Christ had changed his life so much so that he paid back his debt to society. Or maybe it would have been one of the many lepers who found themselves receiving healing from leprosy and being cleansed so now they could be among the people. Or maybe it would have been Jairus' daughter who had been brought back from death, who would have been out there shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. But among those who were friends and those who were excited were also others who were not. The Sadducees and the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the time, had felt that Jesus had been gaining too much popularity and he was threatening threatening their enterprise. He was threatening their way of doing life. He was saying things like, you can tear down this temple, but in three days, I'll raise it back up. They were looking at him and calling him a heretic for just even mentioning that. But it wasn't just the Sadducees and the Pharisees who were there. It was also the Romans. The Romans would have seen these moments in fearing revolt and watching for any sign of rebellion against Rome. They were ready in wait to crush the rebellion. Think of the apostles for a moment or the disciples who were there. Judas was probably ecstatic in this moment, banking on the fact that he had reflected the glory of God in what he had thought and how it would happen. And so in these moments, it's all transpiring. He thinks the way it should be going. Peter would have been the guy sitting there pounding his chest and saying, I got you, Jesus. You demand Jesus. Like, I love you, Jesus. Thomas probably would have been a little bit skeptical, maybe holding back, wondering what was really going on. Andrew would have been overwhelmed by all of it. He was so used to bringing people to Jesus just one at a time, not in crowds. James and John, they probably would have been thinking that they were going to sit on Jesus' right hand and on his left hand when he was now the earthly king. They all would have had different ideas in the midst of the crowd. The thing I'm so thankful for with the crowd is this, is that God recognizes the needs of everyone in the crowd. He doesn't just look to a select few in the crowd. He looks to all in the crowd. You know what that tells me? It tells me that even throughout our society, people who don't look like us, act like us, think like us, he still sees. In the midst of those moments, he still sees them. He doesn't see you based upon the political party that you ascribe to, the movement that you're behind. He simply sees you as his son or his daughter. And he sees some as lost and he sees some as found. The only difference between us and our dear brother or sister who is maybe away from Christ is the fact that they're still lost. And the responsibility for lost people falls upon the church. And who's the church? You and me. We're the church. The responsibility of leading the lost to know Jesus is on us. We don't get to go home and say, well, I'm good. I'm glad I'm good. 
How great, how great, how great is your love for me. Now for us, for us, for each and every one of us, for all of us, it's not something that's just singular. It's for everyone. It's for everyone in the crowd. So a question this morning is this, is who are you in the crowd? Who are you in the crowd? Are you the religious? Are the, you one of the apostles? Are you one of those whose life's been touched by Jesus and all you can do is just shout out Hosanna? Are you the one that thinks you can control and figure everything out? Are you the bored? Or are you the celebrated? Are you the worshiper? Or are you the, the disinterested one? Are you, are you the one who's the sinister? Or are you the one who's the receiver? Or are you the one that's the condemner? Or are you the one that's the worshiper? In this moment, the crowds were there, and the crowd was filled with every person and every type of person. But what is different in the midst of the crowd is there are some whose foundation has been changed because of their experience. In fact, I'll say this. Your foundation determines your experience. Your foundation determines what you'll experience in life. Those whose foundation is upon Christ will experience something different than those whose foundation is not upon Christ. I'll talk here in a little bit about this idea of foundation and talk about how there are things in life that are comfortable. And in fact, many ways we think the comforts of this world are what we should build upon. But the truth of it is, is that the foundation that Christ gives us is firm and it's a firm foundation, but it's not always comfortable. I don't know about you, but I've been serving Jesus for quite a while. And since a young boy, when I asked Jesus into my life, I started on a journey of becoming more like Christ. I received forgiveness. That changed my life. And from that point forward, I was in a process called sanctification, becoming more like Christ. I'm becoming more like him. I'm taking steps every day. But can I just tell you, it's not comfortable. It's not always comfortable. It's not always something that I, that I love. Sometimes God's like, Brian, we got to deal with this area. And I'm like, God, I don't want to deal with that area. And he's like, we got to deal with that. And I'm like, but I don't want to. And he's like, we're going to. And I'm like, I don't want to. And he just keeps at it. And I'm like, fine, I surrender. And then he always is chiseling away. And then he finds something else. Yeah. So now we're going to work on this, Brian. And I'm in this process. I don't know what financial crisis you've been through, what difficult or broken relationship you've been facing. I don't know what health crisis you've been facing. I don't know what death happened around you. I don't know what rebellious child has walked away from you. I don't know what struggles you're facing at work and what promotion you've been passed up on. I don't know what things you've been facing, but what I do know is that in the midst of everything you're facing, whether COVID or whether disease or whether lack or whatever, or even mental challenges that in the midst of that, your foundation is being called to be built upon a firm foundation in Christ. That those whose lives are built upon Christ, their lives are actually lives that continue to move forward in such a way that affect the crowd around them. Now the moment that we're celebrating and remembering today of Palm Sunday 
had other moments with Jesus that happened before. In fact, one of those moments was known as the Sermon on the Mount. It's a moment where Jesus delivers basically this massive sermon. It's found in Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7. And in it, there are all these various different types of thoughts, like thoughts like turn the other cheek and be salt and light in the world and run from lust and anger and don't worry and forgive or you won't be forgiven, or don't judge unless you be judged, and, and, and don't do acts of righteousness for men's applause, but for the applause of one. All throughout that moment, we see these different principles that are being taught, but, but I want to start at Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, and, and what it says is it says this. It says, seeing the crowds, and this is speaking of Jesus, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he begins delivering what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. There's a crowd of people with various backgrounds, various thoughts, various ways. Disciples are there. People who have been healed are probably there. People who are just from the community are there. Religious leaders are there. Everyone's there just like the moment when he comes in to Jerusalem. They're all there. And at the end of his message, he delivers this word picture that he wants them to be left with. Anytime we look in a passage of Scripture, many times the things that are started with and the things that are end with carry a stronger importance in there. Throughout the Scriptures, we see things that are started with and things that are ended with carry this weight with them. And Jesus is ending the Sermon on the Mount with this idea, this word picture that he knows will transcend all time. He understands that this isn't just something that first century Jews and Hebrews, like that Greeks will understand. He knows this will, this will continue to pass the test of time. He understands that people understanding this idea of a firm foundation is actually something that will continue. So Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, if you have your Bibles, you can open up there. Matthew 7, verse 24. If not, we'll put it up on the screen. But in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, he's wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount, and he's delivering these words, and he says this. Everyone then who hears these words of mine. Now the beautiful thing for us as followers of Christ is we have the Word of God that has been compiled through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and that has been given to us so we can see the words of Jesus even to today. And he says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, pause for just a second, hear and do. Sometimes we like to hear and not do. We hear, love your neighbor. But when it comes down to it, we don't want to love our neighbor because he threw his grass clippings on our side. Because he blew his leaves into our side. Because he plays loud music on our side. <laughs> Whatever it may be, we, I don't want to love them. And God's like, no, 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 you need to love them. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded 
on the rock. The past few weeks we've been talking about a strong foundation. Today we're wrapping it up talking about a strong foundation. That when the winds come and the waves come and everything's beating down at your life. And like Pastor Ron was even saying earlier, in the midst of the desert... There are beautiful things that are grown in the midst of the desert season. There are beautiful things that happen in the midst of the storm. Why? Because those who are firmly planted upon the rock will weather every storm. When Jesus said the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, he was talking about a church, a people, that was grounded and founded upon the word of God. Those who would say, Jesus is my firm foundation, and no matter what comes my way, he's my rock. And then Jesus continues and he says this, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and they beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. The picture is very clear here that those who build their life upon the truths of God are able to withstand the storms. Now it doesn't talk about a different house being built. It could be the same exact house. What's the difference? What the difference is is the foundation. So many of us get so focused on the storm that we pay little attention to our foundation. And the foundation is the thing that we should be looking to. When you find yourself in the middle of a storm, you say, no, no, it's okay. It's all right. Yes, the winds are blowing. Yes, yes, the storms are coming. Yes, the waters are rising. It's okay because why? My foundation is in Christ. Some of us, though, get so focused on the storm and praying that God will take the storm away that we forget to actually continue to firm up our foundation. We get so focused on the things that are going on around us that we forget that we can stand strong. And so just four things that we see here in this passage that we can learn. Four things. The first is this, is everyone builds on something. Write that out. Everyone builds on something. If you're taking notes, type that in. Everyone builds on something. Each and every one of us are building on something. Your life is being built on something. Your neighbor's life is being built on something. Your kids' lives are being built on something. Everyone around us is building on something. And the choice that Jesus actually speaks of as he closes this moment up is he says, some are built upon a rock and some are built upon sand. Now, Kasha and I love going to the beach, and one of the things we love doing is putting our feet in the water, but the thing is, when you put a beach chair by the water, we all know what happens. The waves come in, and the sand just begins to erode, and all of a sudden, instead of you sitting in there, your chair sinks down, and you got sand going into spots sand should not be going, and, uh, but you find yourself okay, because you're like, ah, it's just, it's just, I'm there, but you can't stay there long. If you were to stay there eventually... The water would erode away at the sand and you would continue to shrink down to eventually to where you would probably find yourself under the water. Jesus refers to this idea in this passage and he's really encouraging us to not build upon that. 
Earlier in verses 13 and 14 of of, uh, chapter 7, what we see is Jesus actually talking about a narrow gate and a broad gate. And he says that I am the narrow gate. The things of this world are the broad gate. It's easy to go through something that's broad, something that's really wide. It's harder when something's narrow. Because what it does is it requires focus and it requires intentionality to get through the narrow gate. Verses 15 through 20 tells about Jesus talking about how there's these different types of trees. He says there are good trees that bear good fruit and there are trees that bear bad fruit. He encourages us to actually be the ones that have good fruit. And then he talks about these two foundations. One that's strong, built upon the rock, and one that's weak and built upon the sand. The picture is very clear that God is challenging us to walk in a certain way with a certain confidence based upon who he is. What we need to realize is is that everyone builds on something. Everyone around us is building on something. And so my question is, is what are you building on? Are you building on the comforts of this world or are you building on the firm foundation? The second thing I want to we see in this passage is this, is life exposes our foundation. Listen, I don't care who you are, life will expose your foundation. It, it happens to every one of us. You, I, I've watched it, people doing really good, in life things are going great, and all of a sudden a storm comes, hits them from out of nowhere, and what does it do? It exposes the foundation. All of a sudden, people are challenged because they're like, my foundation's being exposed. One of the things Kasha and I need to do is we need to paint the outside of our house. I've been dreading it because, one, it's really expensive. Two, I think we can do it ourselves, which means that that just is a lot of work. But one of the things that I don't like about our house is they never painted the foundation. You can see the foundation. You look around the whole house. You can see it's not matching the color of the house, and I really want to paint it down, but then I know that to paint it down, i gotta, I got to paint it all the way down to the rock and then all that type of stuff. i got to move rock back. It's, just, it's a lot to actually take care of the foundation the right way. It takes work for us to take care of our foundation. But what life will do is expose your foundation. This parable gives every indication that the houses look the same on the top. But the difference was simply what was on the bottom. I can think of so many of us who wait to examine our foundations when we're in the midst of the storm. And the problem is, is that many times it's too late. I've I've seen believers put their foundation on the comforts of this world, the, the soft things of this world, the things that bring pleasure of this world, only to find themselves in the midst of a trial, in the midst of a storm, And going, oh my goodness, my foundation is not very secure because it's been built upon the wrong things. Life exposes our foundation. When we play with sin, it exposes us. We've been talking about these past few weeks about how the compass in life is like the Holy Spirit. It it guides and directs us. And one of the things I love about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is constantly drawing us back to a firm foundation spot. He's constantly saying, hey, here's a good place to start from as we go through this journey. He's constantly revealing things to us. God's Word does the same thing. God's Word is like a map. And what God's word does is it it spells out the directions for how we're to live and where we're to go and what that looks like. And so we spend time in his word. And I know this is an atlas, but it just represents God's word, like the word of God, the Bible. 
And so we have the, we have the atlas, we have, we have the compass, the Holy Spirit that's guiding us through, and, and we find ourselves in the midst of community. And in the midst of community, we're digesting God's word together. And when we're in community with one another, what happens is, is there's this iron sharpens iron moment. And the beautiful thing is, is that we're able to help each other when storms of life come, when our foundations are strong as well. Think about this. The parable talks about one house on the rock and one house on the sand. But what if, just what if, there was multiple houses on the rock? And there were some who were on the sand, and all of a sudden those who were built upon the rock started calling out to those who were built on the sand and said, Hey, you got some problems. There's some stuff here that we got to deal with. I want to help you move your house from the sand over to here. Now, I'm always amazed at what they can move these days. Have you ever seen them move a house where they jack the thing up and they put the, you know, they put the big timbers underneath it and all of a sudden you see this house going down the road, you're like, that is so weird. How did they do that? Jesus does that all the time. He removes people from sandy places and puts them on firm foundations. God is constantly in that, and that's why the church has a responsibility to the lost around us. We can't just stay on our firm foundations and look at all the people and go, this is going to be a great show. Man, this is going to be awesome. Look at that guy. <laughs> Took the whole house out. Now, I know we're captivated by destruction. We are. We love watching it. Like, come on, like you see, you've watched those videos where like a storm comes in, a hurricane comes in, and you see the house on the cliff, right? You know what I'm talking about. And the storm comes in, and you see it battering against it, and all of a sudden you see parts of the house start falling in, and you're like, oh, man, snap. Oh, that's crazy. But you keep watching it. We as followers of Christ should be grieved in our hearts when we see people with sandy foundations encountering storms. Our heart should not be, well, they got what they deserved. Because guess what? You didn't get what you deserved. God took you from a sandy place and put you on a rock. Not because you earned it, but because you freely received it. Not because you're better than someone else. Our responsibility is to tell people around us, to let the Holy Spirit begin to show the truth, to bring people one step closer to Christ. We have a responsibility. When we see people building their lives upon the firm foundation in Christ, that's what we celebrate, not the failures of those around us. See, everyone builds on something, and life exposes our foundation, but here's the beauty is Jesus restores foundations. I mentioned this a few weeks back about the um, city of uh, Pisa, and in, in August 9th of 1173, work began on a beautiful bell tower. When, when I look back to these bell towers and these cathedrals that they made back then, I'm always amazed, right? Because it's like they didn't have cranes, they didn't like, they just didn't have modern technology that we have today, and they built these amazing cathedrals and towers. Today, that tower is known as the Leaning Tower of Pisa. It was to be eight stories high. They only built it to seven. 
It took 176 years to build it. And as they were building it, they realized they had a problem. The foundation that they were building upon was really sandy. And so it wasn't able to withhold the structure that they were building on top. They tried figuring it out so much so that some of the upper rooms, they actually built them at an angle, a slant, to adjust for the slant of the tower. The tower has 296 or 294 steps, based upon kind of how you're going up. The seventh floor has two fewer steps on the north-facing staircase. As time went on, the tower began to tilt because of it. So as they compensated for various things, eventually engineers said, this thing is going to fall over because of the foundation problem. The only way to save the tower was to correct the foundation. So in 1990 to the year 2001, they dug out um, tons and tons of sand and material from underneath it and brought in cement and firm, you know, to try to firm up the foundation. And they said this, uh, they completed on, on December 15th of 2001, and they said it'll be stable for another 200 to 300 years. They still couldn't even fix it fully for a lifetime. Why? Because it was built on the wrong foundation. The only thing that could save the Leaning Tower of Pisa would be to actually move the Leaning Tower of Pisa to a firm foundation. Now, part of what we're captivated by is the fact that it leans. And guess what? A lot of times we're captivated by things around us that don't have firm foundations. How do I know? Because look at who you follow on celebrity-wise. Look at whose Instagrams you follow and and Facebook accounts, and what movies you watch, and those things. Those people have influence on your life. Why? Because we're captivated with things that have a little lean to them. We're captivated with things that aren't necessarily built on the right foundation, because we look at them and we go, man, there's just so much beauty. There's so much success there. And on the surface, it can look that way. Listen, not every celebrity's life is in, the, is in shambles and they're all doing drugs and going to rehabs and stuff like that. Those moments happen, but, but a lot of them have success that we go, man, I wish I had that success. I wish I had those muscles. I wish I had that body. I wish I had those thoughts. I, or not those thoughts, those, uh, that, that voice. I wish I, I wish I could sing like them, act like them. Whatever it may be, we're captivated by, by what's up top. But the problem is the foundation. So here's my question to you today is what's your foundation like? Jesus is the one who restores foundations. So the thing that we have to understand is we're in the crowd. We can put ourselves in the crowd like the Palm Sunday crowd. We can put ourselves in the Sermon on the Mount crowd. We can put ourselves in the crowd because why? Because Jesus came for the crowd. But my question is, is what's your foundation in the midst of the crowd? Jesus is the key. Jesus is the restorer of the foundation. He's the one that gives us the firm foundation. So how, do, how does he do it? I love these passages of Scripture. I'm just going to just read them off for you for a minute because each and every one of them has to do with Jesus being our firm foundation. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's not something you earn. It's what Christ has freely given. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says this, For he who made him, who knew 
uh, no sin to be sin for us that we might become what? Righteousness of God in him. Acts 16.30. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Acts 4.12. Neither is there salvation in any other. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's speaking of Jesus. He is the firm foundation. He's the one that we should be sharing with everyone else around us. Because why? Because he's the restorer of the foundation. John 5, 24, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word, believes in him who sent me, has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Revelation 3, 20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, for it is it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and is with your mouth that you confess and you are saved. And the last one, Matthew 19, 25. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Everyone in the crowd can be saved. Everyone in the crowd can be saved. We have seen this last year, crowds of people gather for various reasons. Crowds of people gathered for various causes, whether social justice causes, whether political causes, whether a mixture of both, crowds have gathered. We've seen peaceful crowds gather. We've seen crowds violent gather. We've seen the crowd And the thing I want to remind you about today is God came for the crowd. Every one of them. No matter what side of the fence they're on, He came for them. He came to heal and to save that which is lost. He came for those who would wander off. He came so that they could have a firm foundation. See, everyone builds on something, and life exposes our foundation, but Jesus restores our foundation. But here, here's what I've found is that in Christianity, we love to build things on soft and easy foundations. So I just I have a real simple um, illustration for you this morning, and that's this. So um, I, I went to Walmart, because everyone goes to Walmart, right? And I bought a pillow that is really comfortable. In fact, it cools at night. It says right here, it's a 300 thread count, which is fantastic. It's got a firm support, so it's ideal for comfort for all sleep positions. It's easy care, it's hypoallergenic, and it's got sheep on it. And if it's got sheep, it must be great. Here's what's crazy is that a lot of us want to build our lives on the comforts of the world. So let's just put this here for a second. And then let's just, uh, these are just a, a bunch of buckets for Easter. Kids will gather these and they'll fill them with candy and Easter eggs and all those things. So let's just say that this is our life and we're, we're trying to build something. What, what begins to happen is, is that as we begin to build things, in the beginning, it's not too bad. In fact, we, we begin to think, hey, I can, I can build something pretty comfortable. But as we continue to build a little bit more... I didn't even get, I hardly even got anywhere. All right. 
let's just see, hold on. Probably was how I stacked them, that's probably what it was. All right, so, yeah, there we go. We build our lives on the comforts of this world. Oh. Okay. And then we want somebody to hold it all up. Right? Pastor Brian, your responsibility is to hold me up. You're my pastor. I don't want to build my life upon the things of the Lord because that's not comfortable. I want to build it on the things of this world. So you tell me just what I need to do. Hold me accountable. But eventually what happens is is that I can only help you build so far. Because eventually, growth has to happen. And the minute I turn to go help you grow a little more, you fall over. Now, I got three bricks here. Yep, that's kind of cheesy. Three in one, Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Here's what I know. Is I can build a lot further when it's built on something firm. And the reason is, is because a firm foundation allows you to build something that's actually worth building. I could build this. In fact, I was tempted to pull out a ladder because as I was practicing earlier, I realized I can build something pretty significant just by continuing to build on something that's firm. When we build on things that are firm, we can build a lot higher. And the beauty is, is we're already past this moment before of comfort, just simply in the fact that we're building on something that's firm. And when we build on something that's firm, it continues to allow us to build something in our lives. And the beauty is, is you could keep building it. Now, yes, eventually, it would fall. We all know that. Because eventually it begins to lean. But here's what happens is, is that even in the midst of the moments where the wind comes and the waves come, this foundation can't be built very tall at all. You can only go so far with the comforts of this world because what eventually happens is, is it can't keep building Because the minute the circumstances begin to shift, things begin to shift in your life. And all of a sudden those storms get you to a place where you're relying on everyone else to hold you up. The problem has never been COVID. The problem has never been the things. The problem has always been the foundation to which you're building things on. Where are you building? What are you building today? The comforts of this world? I mean, I had to shift the bucket over just to get it to come. If I put another one on here, what happens? It stays. (laughs) Well, then I continue to build. And eventually... It falls. What we have to understand in our lives is if we want to build anything of significance, it needs to be built on a firm foundation. 
So here's my last point today, and it's this. This passage of Scripture challenges us then to help others meet the restorer. Jesus is the restorer. We have a responsibility to help other people switch from the comforts of this world. It said firm support. Right on it. And guess what? The world's always trying to get us to believe that the comforts of the world will provide firm support. If you have enough money, then that's, that's where success will be. That's where you can finally settle in. If you, if you have enough you know, fame and notoriety, then that's when life will finally settle in. The problem is, is that money and notoriety and stuff like that, it's shifted around all the time. And people will come in and they'll literally kick it out from underneath you. But it's those who are built on the firm foundation who build something that's significant. We have to help others meet the restore. Romans 10 says this, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. They'll have a firm foundation. Everyone. Everyone in the crowd. Everyone in the crowd that day can be saved. The Sadducees, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the, the, the Roman guards, those who were, who were not even there for any other reason than to quelch any rebellion that would come up. To the hard-hearted, to the broken person, he came so that they could be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without what? Someone preaching. Someone sharing their story. Someone talking about the firm foundation that we build upon. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. One of the things I've realized as a church body is this. Is that in order for us to be doing what God has called us to do, we have to be willing to also send those out. And sometimes that means we send people from our staff. And sometimes we send people from our church to do what? To go out and preach the gospel. Now, some of them, we're just sending them locally. Some of them, we're sending them across seas. Some of them, we're sending them to other states. Some of them, we're sending them to other churches. And what we have to remember is that God's plan is much bigger than just Adrian. Now, does God want to use Adrian? Yes. Does he call people here to Adrian? Yes. But does he also call people to other places? Yes, all the time. God is a God who does that. Why? Because he's a God who is our firm foundation. goes on to say, but they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what has heard from, or what he has heard from us? So faith comes from what? Hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Through the roadmap. The roadmap is the firm foundation. The Holy Spirit is the guide. This Easter, we're challenging you to invite people. I know it's awkward. I, I, I wrestled back and forth with this because I was like, okay, God, like right now it's really difficult because of COVID. And I just felt like God said, let people make that decision. Don't make it for them. Just ask. Just say to a friend, hey, I'd love for you to join me this Easter. But don't just do it for Easter. The reason why we make a big deal on Easter is this, is because eight out of 10 people's stats tell us will say yes, because it's Easter. Guess what? Your odds of people saying yes are better. No one wants to ask people and them say no, right? 
So you wait a week, chances go down. But what if, just what if that neighbor that you invited came to church and, and received forgiveness of sin? What if that person that drives you crazy and has completely different values or whatever it may be and has hurt you and wronged you, what if they came to church and switched from a sandy, comfortable foundation to a firm foundation? What can happen in their life? Some of us forget how broken we once were. It's a firm foundation that Christ is calling us to. Now, we wanted to make it easier for you. Now, this year... Normally around Easter, we do what's called good to great, where we want to turn people's good Friday into a great Friday. And man, I have loved that. Last year, I missed not doing that because last year, COVID hit. We didn't even have Easter in person. So what we did was we actually had Easter outside of it. We did it all online. And I was so bummed last year. And then this year, we started thinking about it. And we're like, man, if we were to give people T-shirts, and have them all sit out in front of Walmart and Big B and stuff and big crowds of people and just waving at them and stuff. That would freak some people out. So we said, what can we do to actually help people take one step closer? So we as a team, we started thinking and processing through and saying, man, what, what could we do to help people put their firm foundation in Christ? And so what we put together is what we call these Easter action kits. And they're available in the event center. And what we want to do is we're asking you, we're helping you to invite three people right off the bat. Now, there may be more left afterwards. So after second gathering today, if you want to come back at the end and say, hey, do you got more Easter action kits? Or this week you want to call in and say, you got more Easter action kits? We want you to go out and show God's love in a practical way. So here's, here's what it is. Inside of there is little instructions on what to do with the card, and guess what, there's money inside of it. And what we're doing is we're saying, go out and do a random act of kindness in the community. And so here it is, a back to life card, he is risen. We're asking people to join us at church on Sunday, next Sunday, Easter Sunday. On the back of it is a $5 bill that's attached to it. Now if you wanna add to it, you're like, man, you know what? I want to actually buy someone's groceries. Then buy them. Here's five bucks seed money into it. There's three $5 bills inside of every Easter action kit. You take that, you go out, you buy someone's, maybe buy their Starbucks, maybe buy their, buy their Walmart. I don't care. You could do it however you want to. Maybe you're like, you know what? Five bucks is just not enough. I'll just pay with my card. Okay, pay with your card. You're like, dude, I got stimmy money. Okay, pay with your stimulus money. I don't know. Whatever you want to do. You're like, yeah, I got a lot of money in my stimulus. Yeah, that's because you got a lot of kids. <laughs> You rich now, but but you're like, man, you know what? I could take some of that. Okay, fine, great. We just wanted to, this is $15 seed money in every Easter action kit. We're asking you to go out and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Just to go out and just do random acts of kindness around the community. You may say, oh, I'm just going to give someone five bucks. That's fine. You may say, you know what? I'm going to do a random act of kindness to myself. Fine, that's between you and the Lord. Now, that's not the purpose of it. And we understood that. We're like, you know what? Some people may take it and be like, dude, I got lunch today, honey. Great. That's not the purpose. But maybe that just speaks to where your foundation is. Maybe you're just a little bit more like the sheep. If you know anything about sheep, they're not the smartest. Don't be a sheep. You're like, well, isn't that what the Bible talks about? Like that we're the sheep and... He's the shepherd. Yeah, 
Sometimes we're dumb. <laughs> so here's the thing. Everyone builds on something. Life exposes our foundation. Jesus restores our foundation. And we are called to help others meet the restorer. Here's what I know. Today there are two groups of people. There are those who have allowed Jesus to restore their foundation and transfer them to the rock. And there's others who are still on the comfort, the sandy place, the place that we like to dip our feet in. And God is saying, I want to call you to the rock. Yesterday we had some ladies here praying and they were praying and they said, you know what, I just believe there's 20 people that are going to come to know Jesus tomorrow. They had no idea that the message would come to this end, like the salvation. That's what we've been praying for is that there's 20 people. I don't know if they're in this gathering, if they're in the next, or if they're even watching online. But here's what I do know. God wants to transfer some people from a sandy foundation to a firm foundation. And in that moment, it changes everything. So let's pray. Father, I pray over every person right now, those in the room, those watching online, those who will be in the next gathering, those who will be watching online in the next gathering, those who will be watching this message later throughout the week, we're believing, God, for 20 souls, 20 people who will switch from a sandy foundation to a firm foundation. Father, I pray that you would help us, first off, help us right now, those who have already transferred, those who are on that firm foundation, may you help us to help others get to that spot of a firm foundation. May we not stay silent, but we, may we actually be those in the crowd who shout out, Jesus is the answer. Hosanna, Hosanna, he's the answer. He's the one. So Father, I pray for those who right now have already accepted you into their life, I pray that you just shore up that foundation so that they can be built up in you. Now, God, I pray for those who maybe haven't transferred to that foundation. They haven't had a moment where they said, Jesus, come into my life, forgive me my sin. Maybe for some of them, they transferred off of that moment. Maybe a while back, they were living for you, and they have turned away and walked the other way, and, and they know right now the Holy Spirit is speaking to them. He's the compass. He's guiding them back. He's convicting them. He's saying, you know what? Your foundation has switched. You're not on that firm foundation anymore. You've gone over to the comfort, the sandy place. God, I pray for that person right now. And I pray for the one who hasn't accepted. God, and here's the reality. We've all been there. We never started at the firm place. We started at the shaky place. God, thank you that you love us so much that you sent your son Jesus to die for us. If you're here in the room or you're watching online right now and you're saying, you know what, that's me. I need that firm foundation. I know right now. If I was to die, I would not go to heaven because my foundation is not on Christ. My foundation is on the things of this world. And I want Christ to be my firm foundation. I want him to be the very thing in my life that changes everything. If that's you right now, here's what I'm asking you to do real quickly. If that's you, just raise your hand right now. You just say, that's me. I want to be on the firm foundation right now. I want to take that step today and make that commitment to Christ today. You just say, that's me. You're online right now. You're saying, I want to I take that step today. I want us to pray together. And here's what I want us to do. I want us to pray together because there could be someone there. There isn't someone here in the house that I'm seeing, but maybe someone online right now. And so I want us all just to join with that person right now online who may be praying this prayer with us. And would you say this? Would you say, Jesus, right now, 
I believe that you are the risen king. I need you in my life. Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you change my life? Forgive me from this day forward. I want to live for you. I want my life to be built upon a firm foundation. So restore it in my life today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a makeup.